Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to read this script. What's good internet? It is Friday, <laughs> July 18th, 2019, and you are listening to uh, Waypoint Radio episode 249. I am your host, Austin Walker, and uh, joining me is uh, no one. It's just me. It's just me. I've actually decided uh, it's just me, Austin Walker. I'm here. I've decided that I'm not into anime anymore. So, wow. There we go. What are you going to do now that you're not into anime? Uh, Clash Royale. That's, you know. Um, yeah, Austin's still on vacation. I'm Patrick Klubick. I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras, Rob Zachney. We, okay, so we had an idea for this podcast where we said, let's just ask for some weird questions. And then I came up with a bit as I was sitting down for this podcast where... Uh, I usually host these when Austin is gone, and I was going to be like, oh, I bet, oh, I bet Kato is going to be like, hey, Patrick, you know, pick out some questions. And I, and I was going to be like, <laughs> you know what? Be a producer and pick out the questions yourself. Yeah. And then as it was revealed, neither he nor I have access to the questions. <laughs> <laughs> we can't and then even it was like, hey, Rob, <laughs> Rob, <laughs> which then prompted um, roughly 10 minutes of Rob making uh, animal grunting sounds as he went through the questions, <laughs> responding to them in, in various ways. I would ways. say I was giving, I was making considered <laughs> connoisseur-like noises as I yeah. sort of mm. swished the questions around in my mind. Okay. <laughs> you know, a query sommelier, if you're, if you... Yeah, I, so I've not looked at any of, of these questions. I guess I could say very briefly... I have played a couple hours of Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, which comes out on Switch today as you're as you're listening to this. I'm not super familiar with that series in the past. I really liked X-Men Legends 1 and 2, like the Raven games that were made uh, for like the PS2 and Xbox and GameCube way back in the day. Those are a little more character action. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is a little more uh, like MMO-ish. It's a lot of like cooldowns and like cross bonuses synergy between characters it's fine as a button mashing sort of antidote to playing super mario maker like i'm been totally cool with just turning my brains off and just watching numbers flash on the screen so (laughs) i'm not don't consider that a very like well considered take on what that game is there are people who know more of what those games are but if you just like mashing the buttons and you like Marvel. It's fine. That's my review of Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right, Rob. Guide us. Do you want me to like pick a number? Like how do you do you want to do this in order? 
How how do you... How, Eric you know. writes, you're in a fight okay. to the death with another yep. person equal to your size. You were offered either an aluminum baseball bat or a six-inch non-serrated knife. Knowing the other weapon you don't choose goes to your opponent. Which do you choose? God damn it. Why are we, why are we Look, fighting to the death? Welcome to the Waypoint this, Games. Oh, so this is what naturally happens after, like, you know, the, there's not a... We don't come to a contract. We have a pitch season. meeting go bad. I can't uh-huh. believe... Austin stands up. Discourse. I feel like I've already done this before on a different podcast <laughs> in a different lifetime. Ah, interesting. <laughs> it was a different question, similar similar world. Um, hmm. All right. Luna bat, six inch non serrated knife. Non serrated. Right. So what? Yeah. Let's let's start there. Let's just, let's. <laughs> what is advantages so, disadvantages to serrated non serrated in in a in a inches. in a fight to the death. So I'm assuming they mean an, an edgeless weapon. Sure. Uh, so like we're talking like a, effectively a dagger, basically. So um, only stabbing motions? It doesn't matter if it's... Pardon? So only stabbing motions. Pretty much. Like, I mean, like the sides will still cut you, but you're not going to like slice somewhat. Like you're not going to slice through very much. Like at the moment, like the if knife. you were going for slices, at the moment that someone sliced, you'd be whipping around with that bat and just, <laughs> just crack yeah. him in the knee. Like if you're... You, you almost got to... There's, there's a higher risk, higher reward with the knife. The, there's a little more versatility with the bat, but mm. I mean, <sighs> this the <sighs> the the thing with the yeah. bat. The thing with the bat is, uh, if you miss or yeah, if they. I feel like there are more ways to position your body to take a bat hit than there are to take a knife. I get, yeah, because like this, this is where I've always come down <laughs> like, on this. When I've, you know, the multiple times in my life when I've presented with queries of of this nature is that like I feel more confident with the bat, right? Like I feel like, yeah, like just like as a framework for what what am I going to do with this and how would I respond? Like I can think of more scenarios with the bat. That like make more sense. That said, I agree with Kato that it's like absent like a real solid smack to the noggin. Yeah. Which if you if you've done that, then maybe you shouldn't have been in the fight at all. And you should just like <laughs> look, just take my hand. Like, can we just like look? We just you win. Like, how about not to fight to death? And you can just have my hand. Um, I feel like that the knife. It's like once you get in there once, and there's like a moment of hesitation. Like, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Like I'm only conditioned. We actually kind of need Danielle here. Like my right. conditioning on like what it means to die from a knife wound is movies where it just like, <laughs> and, like, slow, like I don't know okay. how this. I got. I, I don't. That's. I don't know what that was. <laughs> you know, like if you get him in the in the throat and you're like, oh, I, I don't. Right. It seems slow. The wind. Pipes. I don't know how disabled you actually are from a knife stab. Assuming the adrenaline is at like full height. My guess is, like, you could maybe get another swing in. It's just, it's just, it's just who dies first, right? Like, because there's a there's a decent chance. Well, I mean, if you you die like a second after, I don't know that you won, so to speak. Well, no, you lost, but like, (laughs) I think the nice and bad idea, unless you know what you're doing. Like, I'm taking the bad, right? Hands down, yeah, Uh, yeah. Because the thing is, there's a lot of like, yes, there are a lot of. Uh, disabling or swiftly fatal uh, knife wounds that could occur. There's also a lot 
that don't do shit effectively. Whereas that bat, which by the way is going to have significantly longer reach, yeah, uh, the reach that the bat will like every hit is going to do something. You know what I mean? Like you're tr- like you're trying to land a disabling or mortal blow with a knife. Meanwhile, okay, here you come with the knife. I'll take your elbow. Sure. Hope you're good with the other hand. <laughs> like it's like the, like the bat is like unless the person like really knows what they're doing. I think the bat's gonna the bat's gonna take that. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I'm I feel with, like I'm, I'm, I would pick bat. up the bat, but I would be more scared of someone with a knife. Yeah, no, I think that's that's reasonable. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. No. there's no time yes. for fear. This is a fight for the death, fight to the death. Like, I, yeah, if the question is framed as "What are you more afraid of, getting hit by a bat or getting like?" <laughs> I just mean like, like in yeah, that okay. fight, in that fight. If I'm sure. picking up, even if I'm picking right. up the bat, I still like knives are just so they're bad, and I okay, can fuck up with on. a bat. Reframing easier. of the reframing of the question. Shinji, Asuka, Ray, are they taking a bat? <laughs> Or are they taking a knife? I think <laughs> Asuka takes a knife. Uh, yeah, Asuka takes a knife. Yeah, She's, yeah. And she 100%. and she doesn't hesitate. Like like the other person is like, all right, like here we go, fight. And she's like, ah! She's, like, already, she's already, already charging at you. <laughs> Psychological warfare. She will leap into the air. It, game yeah. over. Like Ray's taking Asuka. that bath, by the way, because Ray's about getting the job done. Like Asuka's <laughs> like. Oh yeah, I know what to do with this, and maybe she does. But nevertheless, she's gonna grab it because she's like, ah, that's the, the like the most efficient weapon here, and she's gonna grab it. In, Ray, meanwhile, this, thinks like fight, I do. Do is it is it uh, are there two knives and two bats, or is it like a flip a coin? Someone gets to pick first. The other person gets the no, other weapon. There's only it's, one. It's, there's only one. So like what like whatever you take, the other person does not. Okay, so my and so I would believe Shinji would. And be so anxious over choosing that someone would just grab something and just boom. Yeah, like, yeah no, Shinji's, Shinji's doomed. <laughs> like, I don't like. No, like Shinji's not not built for this. And Fair. that that returns All back right, to so my I'll earlier do. point, where even though I feel I would feel more confident using a bat, I feel like I would yep. be scared enough of someone else holding a knife that I would take the knife for myself. I feel like. So, you, but at that point, you're just choosing what, like, what do I want to, like, you're you're choosing more for what do I want to get killed by, or which, what, what, like, or that's what not do a I think mentality. I can survive? I can, I feel like I can survive. You can't. This is a fight <laughs> to the death. This this reminds right. me of a story. So, uh, after I'd moved, uh, first moved to San Francisco, uh, I in in college, like, I got into like, I tried to convince myself I was going to get into photography. So I bought like, and definitely wow. did not, but like bought because I was like writing for, you know, I had like extra money at the time because I was like writing about games and it was like paying, like this was back in the day where you got like paid per word and like, like it paid pretty decent money, especially relative to my finances at the, at the time. So I bought, uh, like a, a, a some Sony, like, uh, like, like entry level, like DSLR, like a decent, like entry level camera that was above like a point and shoot. Um, and had that in San Francisco. My wife and I just moved out there. We're eating at Cancun Taqueria, the one that's on uh, Mission and 6th, I think, or between 7th and 8th. Um, uh, it's the least spicy of the three Cancun Taquerias for of course San Francisco. Right. Uh, well, it, the, whiter it, the whiter it is, the less spicy it, the, the food. Um, like, there are three of them that go deeper 
uh, into more uh, denser, like, uh, it runs along mission. And so basically, like, the fewer white people there are, like, we, one time my wife and I, like, was like, let's go to the third one. It's like all the way out in, like, 28th and mission. And it was like, got what was normally our, our, our order. And I was like, holy shit, they don't mess around here. They're like, those fucking white Hell business yeah. people are not prepared for nor- nor- normal spice uh, that we put in this food. Anyways, we're sitting there having a, a, a burrito, and I had my uh, camera in between us at the table. And it's not in a super great area. Um, and But I figured the camera on the table was, like, fine. It's, like, literally, like, where this microphone is from my, my mouth, like, like, you know, inches away. Mm. Dude fucking runs in grabs it and just bolts and i'm paralyzed i'm like i don't what am i supposed to do like this is <laughs> like, like i don't know what you do in this situation yeah. my wife like looks up at me like after like two seconds of like stunned silence goes run and so <laughs> i ran um i've always been pretty speedy uh and get around the corner he goes into an alleyway that's like half a block down i believe thinking that uh He's either not going to chase after me or, like, it's a it's a rough area. He's not going to, like, go too far. But I caught him in the the alleyway. He's got the camera in one hand. Um, and he's got, some you know, some sort of trench coat or something like that. Um, and he puts, his, he puts his hand into the trench coat and goes, do you really want to do this? And, like, life slowed down to a crawl. <laughs> and there's where, you know, he's, I got some, de- some distance between the two of us. He's on the other side of like, let's say a, like a decent sized room. And I looked at him and went, no, <laughs> no, no, I don't. And, and just turned, I said, good luck. And just, I like, just turned around, went back, <laughs> told my wife, I was like, look, I caught up to him. I feel like that's an accomplishment of victory in and of itself. And then the man um, presumably went and pawned the camera around the corner, which is what people did a lot those days was to take shit from tourists, pawn them to take them to pawn shops. And the only way you could get them back was if you convinced a place to like open up the SD card and like prove that like you were on those photos. So. Right. Anyway, that's to say bat, aluminum <laughs> bat. Rob, next question. Why did you slow down enough to talk to the guy? He stopped. He stopped. He knew he was. He stopped to intimidate me. Like he was uh, like, "Whoa, okay." This, so mother- he rolled this motherfucker caught up to me. Like, yeah. what is he doing? <laughs> and like, uh, and there was just a moment where, like, in my head, I was like, "Yeah, I'm." I, I really didn't give it much thought. And then the, when confronted with, you know, do you really need that four hundred dollar camera? Or like, who are you? Who do you need to prove this to? It's like yeah. nobody. Like, I'm good. All right. Uh, well, perhaps in that vein, mm. from Kestrel, Splatoon Two is having its final Splatfest this season, giving the choice between chaos and order to those playing. While the decision will change Splatoon 3, it doesn't matter right now. What does is how Waypoint decides. To help in this decision, Nintendo put out a Twitter thread detailing the alignments of every single Splatoon character. I linked it in the podcast chat. Okay, I'm looking. (laughs) I don't feel like the quotes from the characters are particularly memorable here, but nevertheless. uh, Let's see. There is one that was pretty good. This is a good final Splatfest, though. Uh, 
Uh, this like chaos and chaos and what does that even mean? Chaos order and neutral? No, well, what is order? Mean? Is neutral? What is, is what neutral is the, option what are the politics hmm. of the? There is a neutral option. Well, there's at least neutral quotes from characters. It looks like. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Yeah, because people may not have a dog in this fight. M- Mr. Grizz, don't be so worried. The sea answers all questions. As far as Mr. Grizz is concerned, <laughs> the shallow affairs of Inkopolis are insignificant to the de- next to the depth of the seven seas. No matter what fate may await the world, the sea watches silently, biding its time. Well, okay. If that's the position of the, the neutral, that's like a little more... I'm not sure if I'd call that neutral yeah, I was gonna necessarily. Say, that feels... That's <laughs> chaos. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just chaos on like a longer scale of time than uh, the people who want immediate... Action in Inkopolis. Uh, let's see. Team, let's see. Krusty, Sean, and Bisque. Hashtag team order. Their shared love of foot for footwear make it natural they'd end up on the same side. When these neighbors got caught up in shoe talk, it can last until sunup. Is that why the lions are showing food truck are so long? That doesn't tell me anything about why they're <laughs> team order. Um, well, maybe it does. They want to talk about their shoes. They're not worried about what's happening in the underbelly of mm-hmm. the light that was denied us will be ours since the great turf what? war drove them below octarians have used their technological skill to bring a sort of order to their realm but deep down they know true order cannot be fabricated <laughs> it must be seized holy shit <laughs> nintendo oh, so so <laughs> the octarians their definition of order is not necessarily that the status quo, how things are going. It's actually that, no, your current status quo isn't order, and we will bring order. Yeah. They, I guess they're assuming it's already chaos, so they're they're rejecting the premise. <laughs> That's dark. This is... Or not. I, I don't I know. Believe. I don't know much about the mythology of... Maybe the Actarians are deserved. They deserve to seize the, the order of operations of Inkopolis. Aren't they essentially, like, the, the like low-level enemies in this game yeah yeah right makes you think (laughs) damn this is wild i thought this was like a fan thing at first and i was like oh wait no this is official holy shit Ah. (laughs) telephone and sea cucumber hashtag team order quote these failed prototypes endlessly warring for turf if chaos already reigns an order needs to be restored. Who decides what, quote, order looks like? These mm-hmm. two have their own opinions, and they probably won't include the words free or will. <laughs> what? Excuse me? Nintendo? So. <laughs> God. Yeah. You know? You know what? Fuck it. Um yeah, Fuck Team Chaos. That. Team Chaos. Fuck this shit. <laughs> if that's what yeah, order is bringing to the fucking table. Oh, <laughs> uh, because fucking what is like chaos. I haven't seen many arguments for Team Chaos though. The Team Chaos just is to be the, these fucking teens that just want to yeah. talk about shoes on the corner, which is fine, I guess. I got, you know, 
do your thing, teens. Yeah, they're but all about you know at, having fun. It just comes at the expense and... of the oppression <laughs> of these you know various factions, people underneath Inkopolis. They're not even like part of Inkopolis. But I don't know what the history of this this world is. Yeah, people weigh in. I'm, I need I'm not a You know what? Lore. I choose to not answer this. I choose to require more information. <laughs> I need people to send a follow up. People who have done more of their research into. Into Inkopolis. I don't That's know. a very centrist answer. <laughs> yeah, because I need to know more I, about what your plans are. What do you mean I, by chaos? You know what? What does the, order the, mean to you? Well, uh, Flo and Crayman. Oh, friends, what's up? What's a world without wild parties? Join me, won't you? Flo and Crayman set up shop to connect with the energies of the universe, and now they hope to open the world's third eye to the exciting possibilities of chaos. Hell yeah! Doesn't sound bad. Yeah. I mean, the problem is somebody has to plan parties, so like that's not a great example. Like chances are, wild like, party. Somebody was putting in the work, but that could also fall into like that could still fit within a sort of chaotic order where yeah. someone just takes it upon themselves. Though at that point, you're talking more about and maybe we're, more of an anarchist model than necessarily chaos. At this point, we're talking on one side the lack of free will, and on the other side, let's just have some fun parties. It seems kind of unbalanced. I think I have to. Uh, yeah, I have to go with Team Chaos. I can't. Yeah, I feel. I think the I think the impoverished imagination of order. chaos that's presented here is the sort of chaos imagined by people who have never known disorder. That's the problem here. <laughs> also, as part of is, is this going to influence the plot of Splatoon Three? I hope so, because now yeah, I'm in. This got the, now I'm in. Uh-huh. See, the Actarians, see, I think the Actarians represent order. It's, oh, they're team order. Uh, well, I'm sorry, they represent chaos, because basically what they're going to do is they're going to bring in a new order. But they were the have Actarians been, just, like, pressed down, like, were they rejected by, like, the society that has taken over? And they're just, like, just... Real mad that like other people have decided like this is actually how society be structured and the just Actarians like, mm. Day will come. <laughs> Maybe it already came and now they're just playing the victim and like oh like it, I mean this is the problem come. right like maybe the Actarians are basically like neo confederates <laughs> who are just cherishing the day when they're going to uh, retake Inkopolis. Uh -huh. But honestly, fuck these guys. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe we do need to know more. But honestly, I think in my heart, I'm into the whole. I like Mr. Grizz's outlook on this. Basically, <laughs> I think Mr. I think Mr. Grizz has the right idea, and uh, whoever wins in the long in the long run, the sea wins. Yeah, I can get behind that. Sure, I can, if that's if that's if that's team neutral, then <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah, like Mr. that allows Grizz me to answer. Without picking a side between order and chaos, because I do need more information on like those Octarians <laughs> before I like, give them more weight. Okay, all right. I think Waypoint is chosen. Team, team neutral. Okay, Rob, hit us. All right. Uh, N writes, "Hello, Waypoint crew. Hello. I have a very important and intense question that I believe you all need to sit down and think about. Hmm. What's your favorite animal?" Oh. Uh, depends. Flying, land, or sea. Excluding no, you can't, excluding you can't dogs do and that. cats, right? Excluding <laughs> dogs and cats? Uh, including. 
Mm-hmm. Those seem like cop outs. No, I mean, are you telling me that like, well, actually, does your ability to connect with an animal require your ability, your ability to own it, Patrick? Are you like no. dog? Dogs are my favorite because this is this is my trusty hound. Robert, what was the? Was there a tweet going around earlier this week? Uh, uh, yes, to this effect? yes, there was. <laughs> oh my god! Did you do that intentionally? No. <laughs> no, my 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 proposition on that is that like animals that we have domesticated, that we have like deep personal like empathetic relations. I just say like they carry like. Like so much more weight in terms of like, look, yeah, I like if dogs was cats, like I'm, you know, dogs all the way, fuck off, cats. But um, I'm just trying to, yeah, I just, I just thought it was more. But there's no world answer. in which you'd be like, yeah, peacock spiders are cool, but I'm not taking a peacock spider over dogs. Like, well, I'm not that's picking not a spider to fuck begin with because if I could just, <laughs> yeah, snap my finger on, are you gonna spiders? make me find the video of the peacock spider again? You are, aren't you? No, I, well, I won't spider watch it. Dance. Look, it's. Wait, that's under the, the assumption oh, that's the that I cute can, one, right? The cute one that dances. That's the cute the, one. None of them are cute. None of them <laughs> this are one cute. Oh, this one is cute. No. This one Do is cute. Do not spam a channel of ours <laughs> with a giant picture of a spider. No, it's, it's, a not, video. it's a video. And it's and it dancing. <laughs> no. No. It just wants not, love. I would not want to disrupt the ecosystem. So my 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 snapping on my fingers to get rid of spiders would come with the caveat of I guess I'd be potentially invoking like a worse creature <laughs> that would unsettle me more than spiders. So like I realize what I'm asking for is potentially worse, but <laughs> spiders creep me out. Look, I leave them in my house. Oh, my okay, look, there's a lot of mouth parts thing going on here, but no, it's okay. grooming itself. Yeah, that's fine. Sometimes you have mouth parts. Sometimes you need extra mouth parts or more mouth parts than you know, us simpletons with two mouth, like top jaw, bomb jaw, that's nothing. What if you had extra jaw parts? That's great. It's beautiful. It's nature. <laughs> this thing is very cute. It's like I'm a little, gonna... it's just a little fuzzy friend yeah, with a dancing. bright, with, with a bright crest. Yeah. That's, you know what? Yeah. And then it raises its arms to show you its crest just in case you missed <laughs> it's like, it. Hey, it's like, yeah. hey, oh, look at yeah. that. I got I have this crest. I'm brightly colored. <laughs> Wow, he seems so friendly. Go hang out with them. That's cool. Like, you know what? Everyone has their friends that other people don't get along with and rubs them the long way. And that's just, you know, that's fine. We can all have, we're adults. Favorite. Hmm. Hmm. I'm just at a. Hmm. I really like elephants is the thing. Really, really like them. They're majestic. They're incredibly intelligent. And mm-hmm. have like complicated social structures, and also demonstrate a weird kinship with humans that they do not seem to demonstrate with other animal species. So that's also just a weird thing. Elephants are cool. They also, I think, should make you question sort of the lines people tend to draw between the value of human life versus like animal life. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I like elephants. I have trouble answering this cause I have one for land, air and sea. <laughs> well, you know, Kato, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, walk, walk us through. Let's yeah. take, well, okay, you know what? I mean, you yeah, okay. to- air, peregrine falcons. They're really fast mm. and deadly and also have adapted to live in cities, which is super cool. Even though they're, you know, 
normally not <laughs> supposed to be there. Uh, land, cheetahs, also fast, agile, also look kind of like cute big cats. They're cute. They're like cute. cute cats. Um, and uh, C, uh, mantis shrimp. Because they've got those eyes that can see more colors than we can see. And um, let me read you this sentence from uh, the Wikipedia about their claws. The mantis shrimp's second pair of thoracic appendages has been adapted for powerful close-range combat with high modifications. <laughs> they can basically high shoot... High modifications? Yeah. Um... <laughs> uh, sorry they have two distinct Excuse groups me? Of, they have two distinct di- distinct groups of claws um one's called smashers great term uh they're um a much it has like a thicker club and a, a smaller I forgot like what the animal's end. name was so i googled badass shrimp and mantis shrimp came yep up immediately. yep exactly um Basically, they can also, they also like, um, they can move their claws so fast that it like creates a small like bubble in the water that collapses and causes more damage. Like, hold on, let me find the exact. A blinding quickness of the acceleration of, is this? G's like gravity G force. Okay, this is wild. Ten thousand four hundred G force. Speeds of twenty three meters per second from a standing start. <laughs> because they strike so rapidly, they generate vapor filled bubbles in the water between the appendage and the striking surface, known as cavitation bubbles. The collapse of these bubbles produces measurable forces on their prey, in addition to instant forces of 1500 newtons that are caused by the impact of the appendage striking against the surface. So, <laughs> actually, <Okay. laughs> I think Mantis Shrimp wins out just because the Wikipedia is so wild. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Team Mantis. All right, yeah. Patrick, you've got a lot of time to come up with better something better than GL of my dog. So wow, and also no, my dog's a pain in the ass. She's old. She's seventeen years old. She shits in the house. She's lost most of her teeth. Like Pixel, you're a problem. Like I love you, but it's a... come on, get it together. Uh, for me, uh, great white shark. Uh, it is like been stuck in like my mental craw since like jaw like there are a few films that have like implanted in me the way that like jaws did in a way that um it's harmful jaws is a terrific film but like has probably done like irreparable harm to like the wider psyche of our perception of <laughs> sharks in a way that is disproportionate yeah. to their actual um penchant for violence or danger to us that said um like my wife is uh like a, a deep shark aficionado like she like uh, we one of the things we did in uh, in our honeymoon was like go like cage diving and like be able to like be up close with like I think they were like nurse sharks which you know were at least they were sharks um, <laughs> but like the great white shark is someone that like also thinks about like the other movie that, like implanted deep in my brain as a kid was like Jurassic Park like there were like few things like few creatures I can look at that generate 
like equal parts awe and terror. Mm-hmm. And like the great white shark is like one of like the only one I can think of on a consistent basis. Like I can watch like footage of like this creature and just be like, fuck. <laughs> like on, and on both a level that like I feel it on my gut and like that I have to push back on in the way that like jaws like imprinted in me. But at the same time, like it is like the closest thing that like that we have to like, or at least for me, like a living sort of like kaiju, like something that is like huge, indifferent, strange, like awe-inspiring. And it's just like it's one of the only ones like there are like animals that I probably like quote unquote love more. But like, the great white shark is probably like my favorite because I can't help but look at it and then see like a megalodon. Like it just inspires my imagination in a way that like other creatures do do not. So that's my pick. Everyone should check this video out, by the way. Don't. Which one? No. No, it's a shark. It's a good shark. Okay. That's a good oh, shark, shark fucking owns. <laughs> I'll make sure to link these shark shark and peacock spider videos in the description if you're looking for them. Jesus. Yeah, this, <laughs> is, good this is from the Ocean X's, X team's uh, submersible, I guess. That has a big fucking good. shark. It's a big shark. Oh my god. It's a big shark. <laughs> All right, Rob. Continue us on our journey. All right. Um, Wait, we should take a break and then we should continue. Okay. All right, we we're taking a break. Take, we're taking a break. We'll be right back with more of your terrific questions. Do you stick around to the part of the video where the shark nuzzles the submersible? <laughs> yes. That's very good. All right, we'll be right back. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. And we're back. Rob, keep us going. Let's, do these get weirder? Are you just hopping around? Uh, you know oh, what? I'm hopping around. I'm all you know over. What? I'm not going to ask questions. This is you. <laughs> I put this in your hands. We just we're just on this train. Just along for conductor. the ride. <laughs> choo choo. Chad writes, Yoshi's okay. now exist in the real world. However, if you own one, you will at some point in your life be forced to jump off and abandon it in a pit. It will not survive the fall. You will get okay. another Yoshi after this. <laughs> Do you own a Yoshi? Dinosaur that could eat things sounds cool as hell. You could jump red, high. It's it's eats things. Does it does it have the the properties of where if it eats certain things it gets powers? Is that I think Yoshi? we have to assume that. Yeah, I think we have to because like what? How else could you? 
convince yourself that like there's enough here to justify his eventual <laughs> death into a pit. You gotta have powers. You gotta be able to spit fire with this thing. This is wrong. I'm not uh, sure. This gives me too strong an Artax vibe. Um, and I'm just not like it's not as bad. Like leaving, like like diving from your Yoshi onto a safe ledge and letting Yoshi plummet to his death is not as bad as like Artax drowning in the mm-hmm. swamp of sadness. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, it gives me like vibes of that. And I'm just not sure I have that in me as cool <laughs> as owning Yoshi would be. Especially when it's part of like, the pitch is that you'll know it'll happen. Like yeah, it's yeah, one like, thing. Yoshi would have been part. fine, but you, you took this deal. Like you were like, ah, you are my Yoshi. And therefore now you are destined to be abandoned in a pit. Here's the other question, though. How often do you find yourself jumping over a pit? Uh, this is part of the deal, Kato. Like, this is going <laughs> to happen. You, this is final destination. Like, I, I would just, I would just simply avoid pits my whole life. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that. I don't, this is not. You don't. Kato, this you is don't this is where a sinkhole no like opens up under me as I say this or something, right? <laughs> like <laughs> I will simply just not ride the Yoshi, but keep it as a pet. Another sinkhole yeah. just opens under the Yoshi. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I can't, yeah. I can't. We just had the previous question was uh, the, the rejoinder yeah, about to this was animals. was talking about favorite animals. I, <laughs> I can't then in good conscience be like, yeah, give me that Yoshi, knowing I will purposefully kill it before its life has not not ended. purposely i don't think you're gonna be like hey i'm gonna drive this i'm gonna drive my yoshi off a cliff but yeah but I mean, there'll be a situation well i know it has to be that way right because yeah. otherwise yeah. then the kato situation applies there yeah. has to be a situation in which for some reason you are forcibly have to allow that yoshi to, to die. so at that point it's like again like shades of like tragic predestination mm-hmm. where you yeah. can be like nope my yoshi's definitely not going to fall into a pit i will never be anywhere <laughs> near pits no granted and that like, just means your house is going to vanish into a sinkhole and yoshi <laughs> saves you right but is this a, is this a world where you could rationalize it in that if you don't adopt the yoshi there are other motherfuckers out there they just want to throw these Yoshis. No, everyone's got Yoshis. Like everyone has the option. So like you're not like you're not making a big difference here. But you might save like let's say like what if you take Kato's approach and it's like look yes eventually this Yoshi will fall into a pit and, and die. <laughs> but you can give it a good life. Way. But you can give it a good life. Avoid as and many not necessarily. Yeah, like 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 if this is a world where like there are just sinkholes that are just traveling the world <laughs> indiscriminately. Plucking Yoshi's like if we if we if we set up the the, the world the world building that way. Um, so we're in Donut give County. A, yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes. If you could give it a roaming. good life versus like the shitbag teenager down the street who's like, give me that Yoshi. Wow, like, I found, not a teen I found, ally. Yeah, no, no. Uh, he's like, I look, we're like him and his friends are getting on their Yoshi's. Like, yo, we saw a sinkhole down the street. Unless they got an app. <laughs> That like tells them where the sinkholes are. They it's order like geocaching. <laughs> Geosyncing. That's bad. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Yeah, that sucks. God damn so I don't it. know. Maybe I am taking the Yoshi, trying to keep him safe. <laughs> Those damn teens. Next question, unanswerable. Need more information. All right. Um... You're allowed to put a serious one here. You just have to give us like a heads up so I can like st- stop treating questions as though. 
I didn't like serious ones. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. You don't have to. I just want. I need like a t- a five second like recentering of myself. I'm gonna All right, here's to. just a quick one. Paul in DC, what happened to Need for Speed? Are they still releasing a game this year? Not this year, I don't think. But they did say they have one in development. Um, I don't know. Let's I'm see, confident uh, it will disappoint on every level. <laughs> speed. What was the last? The last one was like an action game, it was right? Just called Need for Speed. They started. I think they just started calling them Wait. all Need for Speed, or maybe this was be- the Beat the House one. Was. Was, what was, was what the last one the one was what was that game that was like everyone was like oh wow that just looks like a Fast and Furious movie in the trailer was that the last Need for Speed that was the last one that yeah was okay the last one, yeah. it was like was that payback were, was that it yes 2017 in 2019 mm-hmm. Electronics, Electronic Arts announced a new Need for Speed installment was in development that was back in March. It's not impossible that it could be released this year, but it seems more likely that they would stake out something early uh next year i just don't know what that franchise is at this point right like yeah um i don't know what need need for speed doesn't used to represent something pretty different um like it started as like a need for speed started as a 3do series that was like like not sim but was like it was it was more basically it was just we if memory serves the real pitch on that was basically they used high resolution background graphics to give you like for the time a better sense of being on the road where you had like if you had the test drive series, which went to polygons really early mm-hmm. and tried to start like create sort of open worlds that were really crude and kind of ugly looking. But hey, they were openish worlds that you were driving a car around versus the need for speed approach, which was you were basically on rails. But what you were like driving between were like high resolution nature shots. Uh, so like that was basically the origin for that. And then it sort of found its real identity. Cops were in it from the beginning, but I think its real identity came with Need for Speed 3. Hopper which, Suit. Hopper yeah. Suit. Yeah. Which is like the, I, that was probably that's like the, the last really good one. Yeah, that's the one I remember, too. Yeah, I remember so playing the, it on the PC because it had, like, yep. it was an early it direct, came, it was came as, 3D game. It also was in a semi-popular, like, 11-game uh, bundle that was the only set of yeah, PC that games sounds I ever about had. Right. With, uh, <laughs> I think it might have been Dune like 2000, like a lot of Dune 2000, um, Theme Hospital, uh, and uh, what else? There was another one. Oh, Command and, Command and Conquer Red Alert 3? That's a good bundle. That's a good bundle. Uh, I would play that. Need for Speed, uh, PGA Golf, uh, and mm. something else that I'm not remembering in there. But yeah, I also think that game was like really commonly bundled in with like uh, early 3D accelerator cards, because mm. um, this is like around the Quake era and stuff like that. I don't like. I, I think the Need for Speed series has such a weird arc because it was there was this moment where they started basically treating it like it's just this sort of meta brand that you put on different racing experiences, and then you yeah. differentiate within the brand. So I always was really partial to Porsche Unleashed which was kind of a more simulational game that was it's kind of a cool idea. They did a we're going to tell the history of Porsche via a Need for Speed game. You're going to run the same tracks again and again, but like the game starts in 1963 and you're driving like a shitty old Porsche convertible around that like is really primitive and crude. And then that means when like the 911 shows up and you drive that same track, it's like holy shit, this is cool. That was a neat idea. Uh, then they really got into the street racing idea around yeah, the time the Fast and Furious comes out. Yeah. Right. 
And then I think they flirted with like the more tuner culture with Need for Speed Carbon. And yep. then they just, I don't can know. You name they all, just, can you name them all from there? Okay, <laughs> Need for Speed Carbon. What comes after that? Need, let's see, uh, Need for Speed 2007. Yeah, Need for Speed Rivals. Mm, no. Oh, like I gotta go in order. Oh, okay. No, you can you can no, you can start at Carbon. That's 2006, and then go from there. No, I'm fucked. Uh, Pro Street. Do you remember Pro Street? I don't. Nope. Do not remember that one. I remember Undercover because that was the first right. one with the single Definitely player B. stuff. I remember having an extremely awkward five minute interview with the actress Maggie Q because she was just at the event and they were really pushing like. Would you like to interview her? And I was like, I think I'm good. She's probably fine too. I don't know that either of us are going to get much out of like that five minute conversation, but they pressed it really hard. And so like I agreed to like a five minute one and just had like a bullshit. It's just totally pleasant, very fine. But like it was one of those where it's like the PR is so excited because they got a Hollywood person to come out to a thing and they want everyone to talk to them when it's really just like, just take the photos and like you're you're good. Like we don't need to do we don't need to do this yeah. dance. Um, uh, Pro Street Undercover Shift, right? Which is the Shift first one was by good. Slightly Mad Studios. Um, yeah, because that was more simmy, right? Um, right. That model, that driving model, was a little too aggressive for my tastes. Uh, they did tame it with Shift Two, and Shift Two is really really good. But that but that wasn't a Need for Speed game. They were like. Hey, people seem to like this, yeah. but it doesn't feel like Need for Speed. We'll create a new brand, but then it didn't do anything without that brand. Or maybe the Slightly Mad deal just broke apart. Slightly Mad went to um, World of Mass Development for basically the crowdfunded project cars. Mm-hmm. Need for Speed World, I guess they did a free-to-play MMO for a brief period of time that never really what? launched in the What US. was the Criterion one? Uh, Hot Pursuit. They like... Re- revitalize the Hot Pursuit brand, like trying to mash up Burnout and yeah, Need for Speed. And it didn't really uh, work. Well, because there was uh, like a Hot Pursuit 2010, which was a very throwbacky. Like it was just you'd that's be the Criterion racing. One. Okay, yeah. but then Criterion also made one that was a lot like Burnout Paradise. It was an open world, uh, like Most Wanted. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then Rivals came after that. Yes, and that just had like this weirdly openly fascistic text. Did what? What? either of you play that? <laughs> no. Oh, oh no. look I'm... up the Need for Speed Rivals intro video. Okay. Uh, Kata, we might need audio for the pod because yep. it, like, it, the narration itself is troubling. Um, <sighs> Need for Speed Rivals launch trailer? No, it's, it's the actual game intro. Uh, let me see if oh, this okay. is it. Yeah, if you find it, drop it into that chat and I'll... All right, I think I found it. Okay. Give me that link. Yep, got it. Excuse me. Okay, y'all got this pulled up? Uh, yep, it's a yeah, little right. it's a little loud when it starts because engine noises. Cars. So just be okay. careful with that. Gotcha. Mind your okay. ears. All right. All right. Th- so three, two, one, click. Three... Okay. Two, 
Oh, this is the... Okay, all right, it's coming we back a little bound. bit. Free. Unshackled. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. We push the limits in Chaos the Chaos versus order. Classic. <laughs> cars we don't pay for. Uh -oh. Where oh, they don't pay for those cars. When we want. As fast as we want. You this guy sounds so transgressive. But deep down, <laughs> you know you need us. That dude what? sounds like lots of people call him thug. Oh! You can't catch devils with Okay. Oh. Is there a Punisher logo? This is a different guy talking now. I am the life you're too scared to live. You are asleep. So this is the rival. This is the other I am team. awake. Yeah. I am the reality show. The catalyst. The 15 minutes you'll never have. You want to know why I do this? I want to know why you don't. Because I the cars are scary, man. I yeah. will run. We are the shadow you can't shake. I will never stop. We will hunt you. You will never catch me. You will not stop. You will make me we fail. Are you will fail. You will make me fail. You are my general. And you are our target. You are my rival. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so basically Blue Lives Matter uh. is like going to war with affluent street racers and uh that's the game. <laughs> Jesus. And it ends up being a really annoying game to play, not just because of that sort of like theme they crafted around it, but also because the solution to this is so like what makes a good car chase? Just fucking cool cars racing through interesting locations, just like smacking into each other and like trying to thread a bunch of different needles. That's cool. What is not cool and what this game like involves a lot of is the police cars have EMP attacks. Uh, like it's a lot of shit like that. So like you, you're just driving around the world and every time you're getting into a good groove, probably some bullshit happens to knock you out of that groove mm -hmm. and it, it won't feel good. Right. It's not like you got smacked into a wall and like, Hey, like rubbing rubbins racing, that kind of shit. It's more like, Oh yeah. The police use their death ray to <laughs> incinerate your tires. So now you're just stuck while the cops like sort of surround your car. And uh, arrest you. So yeah, and then they then they went back to basics with Need for Speed, the reboot, which I guess was just a lot like Underground, sure. more open worldy. It was like just I don't know, I got kind of a crew vibe from it. Also, just right. like as a small small aside, it's interesting. I was paging through some like Rivals, like relatively highly praised as like oh this is a pretty good one of those. Um, you know, we watched that intro video and it's like wow this seems a little. Fucked up. No mention of that anywhere in like any reviews from like good critics who like now would not you know do that. Like just interesting to see how much has shifted between 2013. Doesn't seem that long ago, but like it's actually sort of like a lifetime in terms of like how we talk about games and like the popular discourse. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, all right. Anyway, what do you want from Need for Speed in the future, Rob? Porsche Unleashed. Okay, that sounds like they're probably. <laughs> my guess is they're thinking of people like you. 
Um, that's probably what that'll be instead of just like some weird tonal mixture of an action game with good grass. At this point, shouldn't they just wait till next gen? Like, wouldn't it like seem to make more sense to be like, look, you know, have this game come out 2020 cross platform, but like, look, racing games are like one of the few genres still that will probably have an appreciable not in like maybe for an average person, but I think even st- even still some maybe somewhat to a degree for the average person, we're like a racing game is going to look better. You'll be able to look mm-hmm. at it and be like, damn, yeah. like that looks in- like it's just because of the nature of the the style of game, right? That I don't know. It seems like with Need for Speed, whatever you're going to do with it, just wait till you know fall of 2020 and be a be a launch game. The game um, can just be done. You can just. Like crank up the reflections for the <laughs> yeah. final version and be yeah. like, yeah, it's next gen, baby. Just Look at that PC, shit. Just put the PC Ultra mode and just make that the yeah. the long. Everyone is forgiving just of make launch sure games you get anyway. Ray so. tracing in there, then you're uh, all good. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Like <laughs> lighting effects are supposed to be a huge part of the next gen consoles. Like, yeah. Make me spend sixty dollars on something that I'll play for two hours and go, wow, that's pretty. <laughs> no, I think what what I really want from Need for Speed though is like a game that seems to have some kind of identity or idea that's animating sure. it. Whereas like the last re- the payback, which Austin reviewed for us and wrote a pretty good review of, basically identifies it as, oh, this is just a vessel for microtransactions, yeah. and like that's that's the reason that game exists is what's a thing we can wrap kind of a increasingly toxic business model around. And I think that's kind of where Need for Speed writ large ended. You know, it did lose its identity a little bit because they kept trying different things with it. But then the ultimate solution to that was just something very generic and that you could argue feels like a cool arcade racer. But it's I don't think it's anybody's specific fantasy. And I think Need for Speed remains like a good name. Like it's a terrific, like immediately eye catching yeah, like branding like it, it. It's it will no matter how many bad games they throw at it, like you know we make fun of marketing for all the time, like like sort of like over adhering to like IP. But Need for Speed is just like it's a good ass name. I didn't like, see that logo. <laughs> just like oh yeah, right. I know. yep, yeah. It just it, it's it's very like it's very evocative of racing, like just the phrase. Anyway, so yeah, there you go. That's our recommendation. EA Rob. <laughs> Recommend us a new question. Of course, Need for Speed also always calls to mind Goose's tragic death. <laughs> R.I.P. Goose. Sorry about that ejection seat. <laughs> Jeff writes, hey, Waypoint. Mm. Did hey. any of you have strange or bizarre food preferences as kids? If so, what? A friend recently told me their brother ate strawberries with ketchup. Uh. <laughs> I figured that I figured this guy was friends with your brother Patrick. That I was just like, damn. <laughs> uh, no, it's I, Jeff from the audition. <laughs> I cannot think of so I didn't have anything as strange as that. But um, so when I visited uh, my grandmother, uh, we used to go out there for. She lived in Ohio, and so we go out there. And that was in between my dad's side of the family. All ended up settling sort of on the East Coast like Virginia, Maryland area, and then there was another set that was in Illinois, and so my grandmother was in Ohio where everyone started, and she stayed there for a long period of time until she was older. So we would Christmas was like where everyone would kind of meet in the middle. It's like I took a six-and-a-half-hour drive for everybody uh, from either direction. And so when we started going regularly there for Christmas, uh, one of the years she made like chocolate chip pancakes for the kids. Pretty innocuous. 
But like, it just stuck. Like, chocolate chip were just like pancakes with chocolate chips on them. Not an excessive amount, just a couple. But just like in place of syrup, you put butter on it and and just some chocolate chips. And to my mom's telling, it's the only thing I ate for breakfast for the better part of like the next like ten years. <laughs> just every morning she'd wake up before I go to school, chocolate chip pancakes. Like well, like middle school, well into high school, <laughs> like <laughs> just eating. And even now, wow. even now, even now. Like if I'm making them for my daughter, like I off to the side, I'll make a couple pancakes with chocolate chips because she's not allowed to have chocolate chips on her pancakes. She's three. Stop it. <laughs> and so that's just like whatever. Like it's like this weird. Like it just got into me. And now I love. You know, I, I've you know I've since uh, broadened my breakfast horizons. Breakfast is probably my like favorite meal uh, of the day. Um, but yeah. Chocolate chip pancakes is like was a thing for me for a long time. It remains. I presume yeah. this is just with me for the rest of my life now. It's just something I need to control as opposed like, to just indulging every morning. Yeah, I feel like the urge is not as surprising as the fact that your parents kept up with it for that long. <laughs> Cause that's not an easy well, my, thing in the my, morning. My, well, I'm you know, uh well with pancakes is a little bit easier because like you can make a huge batch of them and then like they're still edible for like sure. a couple of days. You just put them in the fridge or the freezer. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, my mom's thought was, uh, she was like, you at some point became kind of a picky eater. And for parents, and I've realized this myself, is that, you know, you're, there's a tension between like, well, you just want your kid to eat. Mm. And then also you want them to eat well or eat better than whatever their like immediate preference is. And then you like try and find somewhere in between. And she was like, look. Some otherwise, if I tried to get you to eat other stuff, you would just not eat breakfast, and so it made more sense to just have you eat that. And it was better that you had breakfast than not breakfast. So yeah, she was like, "That's the the, the bargain <laughs> I struck." I just she's like, "I just figured you'd grow out of it at some point." It just took a decade. <laughs> uh, Anyone else? This was less a preference than. Well, I mean, I guess it became a preference eventually, but um, we would have, I would have toast, buttered toast with um, uh, strawberry Nesquik sprinkled on it. So like, you know, the powder that you make Nesquik Oh yeah, no, with? I can, that totally works. Hell yeah. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> just, a good like, idea. A light dusting on top of uh, toast, <laughs> which I... I think was actually on the next Nesquik like box. I think this was a suggestion. Oh, Wait, that was an official th- recipe? I think so. I I'm trying just to remember. This, just dump this powder on. Just like put some powder. Yes, just put some of this sugar, like right Salt, onto your pepper. Hey kids, <laughs> you know all those boring things your parents make you eat? What if you put some <laughs> strawberry Nesquik on yep. top of it? Yep. Uh, yeah, I spent a good chunk of my childhood having. Oh all, no! Egg noodles piece. again. Shake, shake, shake. <laughs> oh god, no! But like every piece of toast, I would have. I would have to find the, and it only. I couldn't do it with the chocolate. It had to be the strawberry one. So yeah, it did. <laughs> it did eventually become a pretty strong preference. But yeah, I don't know. I think that's why it started, though, was because it, it must have been on the box. And my mom was like, 
yeah, sure. Let's see what if they like it. And me and all of my siblings loved it. And so yeah, why don't you try? Forever. Yeah, put this gross shit on your toast. And like, mom's like, they're gonna hate it, but then they're gonna be thankful that they tried it. And then mom wins. And then whoop, flash forward a month later, yeah. going to Costco, getting tubs yep. of uh, yep. strawberry Nesquik, oh, going to the God. warehouse. I need more. <laughs> Rob. Let me think here. Um, I loved Mexican food, but weirdly couldn't stand beans of any kind. Oh, that's a critical component of the Mexican food experience. And yet I fought that pretty. Like I was like, what the fuck are these beans doing in this burrito? I hate this. This is garbage. Uh, so there, there was, was stuff like that. Yeah, I think it was texture. They are kind of, it's kind of it's kind of a weird. I could see that being a little right now. Odd. I love them, but sure, like I think yeah. as a kid, for whatever reason, texture and um, I don't know. I I always feel like maybe people didn't add enough. Like maybe a little fat needed to be added back into them when they're served up. Like mm-hmm. they're chalky a lot of times. Sure. And now when I have them, I'm like they're not chalky. They're delicious. But, I, <laughs> but in in, I in love chalk. my memory. It's like this kind of like chalky spread on like a tortilla. I was like, it's gross. I hate it. Yeah, I can um, see that. The uh, it's not uh, 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 a weird food that I ate, but um, there used to be this uh, restaurant down the street from my parents that uh, at least once a month they had just the food was pretty mediocre, but the ribs were at least for like our estimation of ribs were like just delicious. So like once a month. My parents would go and like do takeout for a slab of ribs, and that's like always what I get whenever we'd like dine in at the place. And I loved like their in-house uh, like uh, uh, rib sauce, like whatever like the the, the you know the, the the dip was. And um, I when my parents would get takeout, I was like, hey, make sure you get like their dip, like that's that's the one I want. Like I just loved getting extra sauce on there, and. Occasionally, my parents would forget, and then I'd like demand it, and then they'd <laughs> go and get it. And it wasn't until years later, years like, like an adult, like I'm out like having a drink with my like my mom, like, and we're just like reminiscing, talking about old things, and she's like, "Oh, wait, did you really think we kept going back and getting you your honey?" Like, we just bought Sweet Baby Ray's, told you we went to the restaurant, and you were none the wiser for years. <laughs> and I, like, my world just... Because in, in retrospect, like, there's a good chance that, like, they were just using industrial size Sweet Baby Ray's anyway. Like, this little, like, dinky diner, I doubt, was actually making their own, like, in-house sauce, mm. necessarily. But just the th- the fact that my parents actively lied to me and we're just like yeah we don't worry yeah we got you that sauce you son of a bitch <laughs> and just like cackling with a, a drink as they as they pour sweet baby rays into a into a bowl so tremendous that's the other one Good. i can remember yeah it's great that's it's great it was great. a very good parenting story i was like mom i'm mad but also i'm gonna remember that one for myself i'm gonna put that in my pocket all right um Oh, I also loved the uh, Burger King French toast sticks. God damn, I ate that shit up. Mm. Yeah, those were good. I just love frozen French toast sticks was just like definitely a thing all the time 
uh, growing up as a as a kid. All right, let's do let's do one or two more. Yeah. Um, all right, Ben from Japan writes this year with me and my sister having both moved out of our longtime apartment my parents made the decision to move out to a smaller flat that would be close to my mother's workplace with my dad having retired last year last month i get a text from my mom i'm clearing out our home office and throwing out your dad's massive wall of cds do you want any of these having finally reached that age where i could jam with the music of an older generation i came over to plunder the literal and honestly quite frightening mountain of cds my old man had amassed so again look through it what did we have here? B.B. King, Legend of Blues, definitely in. Uh, James Blood Ulmer, hadn't heard of him, but apparently he was also a good blues musician. So into the pile he went. Next one, Kelly Joe Phelps, who was also a blues musician. This was a moment like the all work and no play scene in The Shining. I stepped back in horror as I realized my father had collected hundreds upon hundreds of blues CDs. He was like some kind of dragon except hoarding blues music. In the end, I didn't take more than I should have, and I still regret not saving more of that collection. So in memory of my father's now long-lost blues collection, I wanted to ask the crew if you were given the chance to build a music collection of any genre, musician, or other element, instrument, musical period, etc., what collection would you try and build? Mm. By the way, did any of you read that story about um, the fire at Universal's, uh, like, actual studios, not the theme park, but, like... Uh, mm. Yeah, apparently they lost a huge amount of their music collection. Oh, no. And we're talking like in irreplaceable master recordings. And then they massively underreported the loss and concealed the fact that because they've acquired so many record labels over the years sure. and they'd moved all that into sort of the central housing, that right. when their storage, like the New York Times had this really good article about it, when their storage went up, uh, they lost a shit ton of like vintage jazz, early rock and roll. Uh, stuff that basically now you can't it's just gone yeah you lost the raw material to do any kind of remaster uh so yeah it was apparently like massive i uh i guess the first thing that comes to mind for me is like one of the formative bands for me as a kid was the beatles which is like an easy but i what i wouldn't want is like it, the Beatles discography is like very prolific and or easy to access, but I would be so deeply curious to have like a curated collection of their influence. Like if you could somehow like track like, okay, Beatles arrive and then how like pop music changes as someone that like just finds pop music as like a form fascinating. Uh, I would love like a collection that is like meant to be like a historical record of like, it, it, or even like before, like right, like go ten years before yeah. the Beatles hit the Beatles, and then like ten years after, I'd love like a collection that is specifically like you could point to on both sides, like what influenced the Beatles to where they were, and then what was like direct influence afterwards, and like a collection that was specific towards like that arc to have like a better understanding of like the prehistory and post history of like of that band. Um, that I think that's my pick. I think that'd be really cool. Kato? Uh, I was thinking, this kind of feels like a cop-out, but my Good. my thing would be uh, albums where one, at least one of the songs, is the opening or closing song to an anime. So just like, 
the rest of the music that those bands also make because they're all actual bands mm. and it's never it's almost never or even sometimes it's just like okay then it's the OSD for the rest of the anime but like there is such a wide variety of those things when you think of like you know you've got your uh Yoko Kano's uh working on even Yoko Kano just like working the, the difference between her work on uh Kawaii Bebop and the work in uh um I believe she also worked on uh standalone complex uh Ghost in the Shell standalone complex which are two vastly different musical styles uh like I don't know it feels like I can have like my pick of genres w- w- by sticking just to this like you know had an anime opening in there <laughs> No, that's fair. Yeah, that actually make that actually makes sense. Like they actually like think through yeah. even someone that's had like just a like you know basically a brush with anime over the years. Like yeah, like you know, Cowboy Bebop's intro alone. Which, uh-huh. like, I, you know that was like I listened to that soundtrack. Actually, Cowboy Bebop was one of the rare animes that like I had you know uh, 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 enjoyed like prior to joining waypoint um <laughs> and uh uh and lo- adored that soundtrack like yeah, just such a weird so fusion of genres but it's just like if if you just take that alone like that already opens the door to like a you know a billion different things mm-hmm. especially like you know even though i have a relatively small exposure to anime like i understand that like anime is like genre scope is far beyond like you know, space operas and uh, <laughs> kids in in mech suits. Yeah. To the degree that you would you ha- would have to span so much in the in the course of of collecting that. Yeah. There's an anime that's about classical composers. It's like, what if all the classical sure. composers uh, that you know and love actually mech suits uh, actually lived 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 at the same time and uh, had interactions with each other? So you know. And were teenagers. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. This is real. This is a Wait, real anime. Te- okay. I'm, oh, I'm trying this, to remember. What's the what arc? What's the, what's the story? What's the conflict? <laughs> I mean, you know, some of them like each other. There's like <laughs> relationship some drama. Some don't. <laughs> okay. So who's like, so do you, cre- do they create like a fictional composer to be your entree into this world? Or is it just like. Oh yeah, you, you like you, you get behind that plucky Prokofiev lad and see like you know see how he fights for acceptance with the composers. Actually, Chopin seems like he'd be a better pick for that. Um, More relatable. Where is this thing? I'm trying to find it. I forget what exactly. Yeah. I think it has something I to do with know. Vocaloids. Um, it seems like the main well, character okay. is ba- ba- is huh. Beethoven. All right. Uh, yeah, we got Beethoven, Mozart, uh, Chopin, Litz, Schubert, Bach, Tchaikovsky. Uh, no Haydn? Wa- 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 <laughs> Wagner. Wagner. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It has to do with vocaloids, it seems. So so these are technically digital versions of these. Cla- classicaloid? Is this the yeah, anime? Uh-huh. Is this, this is it? <laughs> yep. Classicaloid. Hold on. Hold hold on, Kato. What? Burying the fucking lead. Wait, what? I don't. Here's the thing. I had tangentially. High school students. Excuse. I'm. I'm gonna butcher these names. I apologize in advance. Uh, <laughs> high school students Kane and Suzuki live in Japan or uh, Hamamatsu, Japan, dubbed as the city of music. One day, suddenly, quote, cla- 
classic Alloyed versions of Beethoven and Mozart appear in front of Kanae and Suzuki. When the suspicious-looking classic Alloyds play music they call music, M-U-S-I-K, it has a strange power. Stars start to fall and giant robots appear. Now every day is tumultuous. Eventually, more classical Lloyd starts to appear in his box. Rafine Schubert, blah, 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 blah. What the fuck? I didn't know that wow, part. anime has such a range. It has such a range of genres. Like uh, musically, you Beethoven know. Beethoven playing music and then robots appear. Fuck. I tried to grant the medium an look, olive branch. And look. then giant robots appear. No, for real, though. For real though, I mean, <laughs> okay. Uh, here's here's a good one. Here's an actual good one that is just a bunch of really great jazz uh-huh. jazz music uh, called "Kids on the Slope." Check that check that show out if you haven't already. Um, uh, Kirk Hamilton has always recommended that for having like a really good cast of characters oh and God. tremendous music. It's and fucking amazing. Remember he got into that uh, when I was at Kotaku. And there's no big, uh, there's Kirk no Han- giant robots or like fantasy. It's literally just like slice yeah, of life. Season these kids four playing. Yeah, it's very good. That does sound good. That would be, by the way, like post-war jazz is probably what I'd get really into collecting. That's yeah, yeah. Th- that'd be my thing. Uh, all right, all right, one more, one more. Uh, oh, also, just because I mentioned his name, shout outs to Kirk Hamilton. He used to be uh, editor at Kotaku, but now he does a super amazing podcast called Strong Songs, where he breaks yeah. down. He's a musician, was a musician before he got into game crit, and now does a podcast where he like breaks down how songs work, and it's super good. I really hope they digitize that dad's blues collection. That's that's the real thing, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, did you just throw out a wall of CDs? Like, some of that probably didn't get... Like, the CD era is weird, right? right? Because, like, I'm not sure how much of that was actually digitized and, like, stored versus how much of it was just pressed and released. Mm. So, and I don't then, know how uh, easy you, know, you can... A reader, send Rob a Dropbox link, is what he's saying. <laughs> So blues isn't really my thing, which I feel shitty saying being from like, you know, Chicago. It's, but it's, one, it's, it's one of those things where uh, I won't like listen to blues in like it, it's not what I'll choose to listen to when I just want something in the background. Mm. But like when I've gone to like a club or like see like seeing it live, it's kind of like sports. Right. Like, genres like that. Like jazz. Also, like I appreciate it, but it's not necessarily what I want to hear in the background, whether I'm writing or just in, in my house. But damn, like go to a live show and it's like the most enthralling thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm torn. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had time. You want to do two right. and then just pick those last two. Then we'll close it. All right, Matthew, what's the worst choice you've made in the game? No. Mm, that's big. I don't. Mm. Kaiden Alenko's got to be up there for me. The what? Kaiden Alenko has to be one of the more regrettable. Like, what did you pick? Well, I banged him, and that was the problem. (laughs) God damn it! Yeah, he didn't survive on in my playthrough. He. In retrospect, I think ever like I, <laughs> yeah. I think his character arc would have had a more satisfying resolution if I'd huh. left him there. Yeah. Oh, shit. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying trying to think of like a game decision I've made for like the 
Yeah. And I came to regret it. You know what's one? I'm like looking through like weird lists on the internet of like hard choices to make in a video game. <laughs> Try to see if anything comes to mind. Um, hmm. Is it is it hard choice you came to regret? Was the thing again? Regret specifically? Yeah. I regret. I regret the first time I jumped off of a Yoshi. Knowing, knowing that I had that power to sacrifice a Yoshi's life, it ruined me. <laughs> I mean, I okay. Like looking at one of these lists, one of these I remember. Uh, like I don't know, like regret, but one of the harder choices I remember. So I like still think the first season of The Walking Dead, the Telltale series, is like tremendous, like a real high mm. point in in game narratives and there is uh, spoilers, I guess there's uh Kenny who like is one of the, uh, he's a protagonist, but he's, he's constantly framed as an antagonist um, because he's on your side, but he's constantly making just shitty decision after shitty decision and like kind of pulling the group in, in bad directions. And he has a son uh, duck, um, which is a goofy little kid who's also kind of annoying, but annoying in a way that like you really can't, you know, he's a kid, like just kids can be annoying. And he eventually gets bit and there's a choice you can make where you can tell Kenny sort of like, hey, you need to buck up and go shoot your kid. Like you need to just go take him out back and, you know, do the right thing for for your son. Like don't let him live like this. Or you can choose to to go and do it yourself in which – I I remember being confronted with that choice. I was playing the game with my wife and we were paused the game, we were talking about it. I was like, well we can't we can't I mean Kenny's bad, but like he's gonna be one this I mean can you even imagine asking someone to do this? <laughs> and like he's already like even just like on a strategic layer of our team framework, like he's already unstable. This is going to make our situation way worse and the the apocalypse is not treating us very well so so far. So like, all right, we're going to take this on our shoulders. We're going to go out in the back and we're going to shoot duck. But we assumed, well, that'll just be like a cut scene. Like, you know, one of those things where like you see your character walk off and the camera pans away and you hear a gunshot. Mm. No, the game makes you find duck, line up the shot and pull the trigger. And I believe it cuts away from like the actual like graphic violence depicting like a child's, you know, head blowing up like a watermelon, but um, it... Uh... Jesus Christ. Oh, sorry. Many achievement triggers. <laughs> um, Bloop. But... Hunting season. <laughs> um, oh, Jesus. Old yeller. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, Len- Lenny. Yeah, I mean, right? I found that to be like... Huh? Lenny, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that's one of the ones that definitely, like, haunted me because, like, did the right thing even in the moment, but, like, the game kind of called my bluff because uh, it seemed like it was easy just to choose that as, like, the quote-unquote, like, right thing to do by the character Kenny and also kind of gets the player, like, to make themselves feel good. What happens but, if you tell uh, Kenny go do this? He goes and does it, and it's <laughs> – he doesn't take it well, let's say. <laughs> All right. 
you so you still feel it was the right call. Like in, in game yeah, terms, you made yeah, the right call. Yeah. Yeah. But I like admired the game in, in the way it like haunted you with like well, actually we're gonna make you like feel the moment in a way that I think most games would have said, Yeah, that's probably a little too much. Like he's seven or you know, whatever the age was he was in the game. So that's that's the one I that's my choice. I gave Harvey Dent too many chances in that Batman game. <laughs> I should have just realized that guy sucked. Can you choose to like, what's the, cho- what's the choice there? No, it's just like, there are points where you can basically just stop trying to rhetorically save him and like talk him down from being an asshole. And <laughs> like, I basically pushed a lot of interactions all the way to like maximum try to save Harvey from becoming two faced. Okay. And what dawned on me later is that, Basically, the argument in that game is that he was already Two-Face. Yeah. Like, all he was looking for was, like, a reason and an excuse to justify his, like, victim complex and his sort of, like, violent self-righteousness. And, uh, yeah. So, Harvey Dent, get fucked. Did anybody in this in this room blow up the, the first town you encounter in Fallout 3? That Tenpenny Tower quest? No. Anybody? I never played no. Fallout 3. No, really? Oh, man. Fallout 3 is what sold me on open world games, like, as a concept. Um, I, I still uh, feel really bad about the ending of Metro 2033. Uh, refresh? So, the game just basically determines what your morality is. You do not get to make a choice about the end. It basically argues your choice has been made for you by the way you interacted with the world. I don't know what I did wrong. <laughs> Maybe it was just my rapaciousness uh, as I just looted every single thing that was not nailed down and I think refused to give money to some children at one point because I was like, I'm sorry, I need this ammunition. <laughs> Because money is ammunition, and I did uh, need it, but maybe uh-huh. I didn't need all of that. All of that. But anyway, uh, no, the game ends with so we're gonna drop a nuke back on Moscow to take care of the uh, the dark ones, and the entire like last level of the game, you're starting to get telepathic messages from them, mm-hmm. basically being like, "Please talk to us, please, we're <laughs> not your enemy." <laughs> And I like my my dude just goes up there and it's like, all right, time to like target the nuke. And they're like, don't do it. And yeah, please. Yeah. So I didn't I'm not happy about that. And then like that also, because again, I guess I was so greedy in the Metro world. When I played Stalker, also, I definitely went to the Wish Granter and asked it for infinite money and was uh, buried in, well, what what my hallucination imagined was like a shower of coins, but really it was like the sarcophagus collapsing on my character. Anyway. (laughs) You know, Rob, maybe some self-reflection. Or the next question, whichever one, whichever. <laughs> Look, I was your, a freelancer, all choice. right? Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, if you could do a Waypoint ARG, what kind of story would you want to tell? And what kind of puzzles would it hold? Hmm. <sighs> so I would probably go, what was that one? Uh, Majestic? Was that it? Where the game would like fucking call you? Yeah, game. 
Yeah. They they send faxes and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I would go. That's absolutely what I would want. I would like basically. Okay. You would force Fincher's the fax game. Machine? No, I'm saying the Waypoint <laughs> AR. My ideal Waypoint ARG. If we're doing this, uh-huh. we're gonna go full the game. All right. Real like, world. Pardon. Real world. Like you're going out. You're. Yeah, and yeah. we're just gonna like relentlessly fuck with your life. And but you're gonna learn something. It's gonna be a really affirming <laughs> like life uh-huh. lesson about sure. like like okay. So if you haven't seen Michael Douglas's The Game, basically he's this like really shallow, successful shithead who is given a gift to take part in the game, but nobody will explain what it is. And once it begins people who've already experienced it are like oh you are in for some shit lucky you and then all sorts of shit begins going haywire in his life and like literally i think he's framed for crimes uh he's a wanted man um his business like begins to collapse and it appears that maybe what he was enrolled in instead was a really uh elaborate attack on hit like by his enemies basically and it's really cool i like it (laughs) and i think it would be i think it'd be fascinating i think we could do great things for people via that it's rob we're learning a lot about you (laughs) on this show um Okay, yes, was the game ethical? No, am I a person (laughs) who recorded an hour-long podcast whining about Nick Capizzoli and subterfuge? Actually, multiple hours-long podcasts? (laughs) Like, like, I was brought into a subterfuge game under false pretenses, which was annoying. So it is hypocritical, maybe, to say, but if Waypoint ran (laughs) the game on somebody, I think it would be cool and valuable. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, I think I could be entrusted with that power. No, you know, <laughs> you know, can't can't argue with that logic. Kata, you, anything come to mind for you? I'm struggling with this one. I'm. This is not. Yeah. This is. I, this is not my forte. Oh, the puzzles would all be historical. Just FYI. Okay. Like, what does like that what? even mean? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, it would basically be <laughs> as Rob as Rob loads up a Google Doc. <laughs> Like oh I don't, yeah I don't know they might just be like hold, hold on I got mm, no I mean you know those you know the saying like behind every great fortune is a crime like in as part of like you sort of learning about yourself you would also learn about the sort of foundation of injustice and the web of lies and deceit that is history but you would be forced to become the like investigator personal in history that. no you're like, in, in, in like you're just gonna like, try and tear down like your own like your family what you thought about them the mythology no of your, no of no your, we're not doing like some past. sort of 23 and me bullshit where it's like <laughs> you know your, your grandfather was a monster no but it's it's more like the solutions to the puzzles would be like digging through historical records and things like okay. that and like creating sort of a uh like sort of pulling someone into a sort of fictionalized longstanding conspiracy, but nevertheless echoes uh, some darker themes in American history. That would be my approach. Yeah, I think uh, you ever seen Chinatown? No. Yeah. Imagine that, but an ARG. (laughs) 
But it's not like I'd be slicing your nose up or anything like that. Maybe oh, Chinatown's no. a bad example. What do you think? You know who framed RG Roger Rabbit? What? <laughs> it's an alternate reality where Rob is in control. <laughs> slicing beans. God. I would say I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. That's well, that no, is not that's not a game at that point. That's not because Rob picked that's the just, bat. That's just an attack. Right. Right. He couldn't slice. Can't slice with the bat. I guess you can. Mm. No. Mm. <laughs> Uh, hmm. So, like, I think, I think, given given the amount of, uh, you know, the amount of coverage we give to labor and you know organization, I feel like it'd have to be themed around that probably, in some way. Uh, you probably join a secret union online because. Again, our a big component of them is is websites. Apart from actually like going out into the world as well. So like you know, to start off, it's like right. It's it's like it's like a, a frog fraction situation, you know, or like a um, like like when Cookie Clicker, like you know, like it, when it opens up and it's like oh, there's a whole another thing under this that I didn't realize was there. Situation where like a website of some sort, you know, um. You get record, recruited into some sort of faction, and then, like, eventually the meetups will have probably some sort of, like, huh, like, I, I, I want I would want the puzzles to be only solvable by community, like, efforts by multiple people. Like, it's, like, you need separate pieces in a way that, like, you need, it needs to be a, a communal effort uh, rather than uh, something that someone could piece together on their own. So you, you know? want a labor-themed destiny raid that you do? <laughs> yeah, in your life. yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's about community building and uh, you know fighting for what's right for your rights as a worker. <laughs> I think it, you I know think the original fits. union <laughs> is the Illuminati. <laughs> what? People coming together. Common Consolidating interests. power. Uh-huh. Apart, <laughs> we are weak. We are just individual titans of industry. But together. <laughs> Fuck! Yeah, my yeah, my ARG would just be playing out the storyline to Deus Ex. <laughs> Make your choice. That'd be good, yeah. All right, I think we solved a lot of issues today. <laughs> Exposed a few, mm-hmm. solved more. <laughs> Yeah, raise questions. <laughs> Net positive. <laughs> sure, yeah, however you want to <laughs> clarify it. And that's a podcast. Uh, that's a podcast. Uh, I'm going to scroll down. Uh, you can uh, follow everything that we do on Twitter uh, at Waypoint, uh, on Facebook at Waypoint Vice. You can follow uh, my uh, everything I have to say uh, at, at Patrick Klobik. Rob, how about you? At Rob Zachney. Cato. At a underscore Cotto underscore appears. You know, sometimes it's even a struggle for you. Yeah. And uh, that makes me feel better about it. Uh, our thanks to uh, Bowen for the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. You can uh, follow uh, uh, more of Bowen's work at waypoint.zone slash Bowen. Oh, I do want to shout out because I don't know. I, I, will, I might write a short post about it, but I want to let people know about it. Uh, on my Mario Maker mornings uh, uh, early this week, I played an incredible level um, that was inspired by the horror movie It Follows, mm. if you have seen it. The basic premise is that 
Um, the, this woman is followed by a thing. If you haven't seen it, I don't want to actually say that much more about it. The basic premise is someone is followed by a thing, and it is extremely creepy and good. It's one of the best horror movies of the last 10 years. It has a soundtrack by Disaster Piece, which is the composer who did Fez, and he's now he does some games, but mostly does like film and other stuff. Um, and someone made a level in which a there's a new item in Mario Maker 2 called the poison mushroom where it's like a one hit kill sort of thing where, but the mushroom follows you. Like it's, it, it tracks to Mario <laughs> and you can jump over it, but like you can, it, it's like an enemy that is permanently kited to you that you are just kind of like dragging along this level. And so the level is structured in a way where this is the thing that is following you. And there are different ways to trap it and like temporarily kill it, but then it comes back and it's just, uh, it uses a night theme with some scary music. It's just, brilliantly designed um it is an it is uh sort of an answer to an argument uh over like you have dreams on one end which gives you like all the tools to do whatever you could possibly think of and then mario maker gives you limited tools that you then have to be uh uh like be inventive about um in order to accomplish things that are more complex like theming and, and things like that and i think it does a really good job of that and the punctuation on how brilliant this stage is um, which comes from uh, Raging Bagel, I'll give the code out at the end, um, is that, uh, like a lot of horror movies, it has a stinger, like kind of a post-credits s- a sequence, like a, mm-hmm. you know, and this level has that. <laughs> um, it has a post-credit scene after you finish the stage. I don't want to explain how it works, but it is it is brilliant that they managed to get that entire arc into uh, the stage. Um, let me pull up. The level code, uh, yeah, the level code is 826-26L-00H, that's 826-26L-00H, it is uh, a really terrific stage, definitely one of the most creative ones I've seen so far, please don't delete it, Nintendo, because <laughs> you're good at that stuff, um, that's gonna do it, uh, I'm sure it was mentioned on the podcast from earlier this week, but yes, we basically recorded half of an Ava podcast, because... No, you might look at the two-hour to- running time and think... How could that be half of the podcast? <laughs> it's but maybe not at even this half. point, you're We were supposed to, to talk about five episodes and we talked about yeah. two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, for one, we have we have we have internally discussed a restructuring of how we even <laughs> talk about these episodes to address that. Um, it'll they'll still be long, but just Maybe with less summaries along the way to take some burden off of, of Austin walking us through those each of those uh, episodes. But we will record a second half of that next week, which will get us through episodes, what, uh, 23, 24, 25, right? No. No. Right? 21, 20, or 21, 24. 22, 22 23, 24. 24. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yes, we're going, we're going to, we're pushing back our completion of this another week. So that is, if you already watched this episode, it'll be good to go for that next week because that's what we're going to record next week when Austin is back. Um, so, yeah, that is uh, up uh, now. Danielle was able to join us for, for that one. Hopefully, she'll be able to join us next week uh, as well. But that is going to do it. Uh, I, um, how do we podcast podcast over pod yeah podcast podcast over and <laughs> and rob any ideas nothing nothing <laughs> from rob not just no i was trying to think of was- something snappy i failed <laughs> i started thinking about the game and whether breakaway glass could really arrest someone's momentum like anyway okay hmm. Well, just. If only there had been breakaway about- glass for Goose. 
If only there was a podcast where we could talk about the game. But nope, we just talk about Ava now. That's all. That's that's all we do. Bye. Just bye. I'm just I'm just turning it off. Just turning. I'm just hitting it. end on the microphone. Beep. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. <laughs> Is that Podcast someone falling through over. the glass? <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, then Ooh, we are. When did you stop recording? What? Oh no! Just funning. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> God damn it! I was got enough stress for this week on incomplete <laughs> podcast recordings. God. Yeah. Time. That is. <laughs> Damn it! I put time. That ish. Timeish. Time. Timeish. Timeish. Didn't give me anything, but. <sighs> My clock is one point five seconds ahead. That's a powerful clock. <laughs> In the future, all right. Point nine seconds behind. That's that's fair. That adds up. That's my life. <laughs> Every time uh, I see I'm an on... adult on a bicycle, I no longer despair for the future of the human race. H.G. Wells. Oh. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, he always did seem insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, that's a take. <laughs> I mean, sure. I don't have like strong opinions, like one way or the other, but. Just sure. Okay, Rob, you got it. Oh, time dot is yeah, I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Forty-three. Forty-two. With it? No wait. <laughs> it's not. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. Let's try that again. Cause I. <laughs> I, I think Kato has to live with what he just did. He's producing it. Look, I spent the entire before. next day trying to figure out what which one he thinks people clapped on. <laughs> I didn't thing. clap on any of them. God well, that's just we just have to play it as it lays. <laughs> All right, twelve. That works. It skipped for me, but I think I got it. <laughs> oh, great. between the two, okay, I, feel I, can go- I feel good about it. I feel good about it. <sighs> I started saying. The words before your words hit my ears because of internet latency. So, you know, nobody was talking when uh, I started talking. Um, all right. Uh, oh, okay. So, is this 248? Is that actually accurate? 
No, no, it's not. This is actually episode 248? It's 249. 249. Yeah, I changed the date, but I didn't see the episode title. Okay, everyone ready? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Three, two, 